1: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com
2: to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Real
3: people. Real crimes. Real life drama.
4: When I first started going through the flashbacks and remembering everything that had happened to me, I didn't want to live anymore. <laughs> Swimming's different than any other sport. There's a sense of peace that I've never experienced anywhere else. Growing up, I just have had so much passion for sports. Sports were my everything. I was so excited to go to junior high school. And I heard they had this young, really
5: fun PE teacher. Julie Correa was the girl's PE teacher in junior high school. She was athletic, outgoing. She was more of our friend, I would say, than a teacher. Did Julie treat Kristen differently? Yeah, you knew Kristen was a special one.
4: She would let me stay afterwards and shoot three-pointers with her. We just became kind of buddies. And that's when she really, like, sunk her teeth in. Julie, she was just everywhere. Surprising me places. She would come into my house and be hiding under my bed when I would go up to my bedroom at night. She literally was under your bed? Yeah. I just felt this grab around my ankles. I like lost my breath and like shook. She abused me in like every way she could've. I was just paralyzed with fear. It's just the scariest thing in the world to have someone you trust and respect and admire betray you. So
6: who was
4: Mr. Witters? Mr. Witters was a science teacher at my middle school.
6: Mr. Witters would tell me that I was special and he would touch me um, through my clothes and under my clothes. How old were you? I was about 13 at the time.
2: It was absolutely incredible that you had two teachers at the same middle school sexually abusing students.
6: Mr. Witters started touching me in seventh grade. Did you confide in anyone that this was going on? No. I've lived most of my life trying to forget what happened.
4: It was a big and scary secret that I had been able to black out for more than 10 years. I was like a wreck. I didn't know if I could weather the storm of what had happened. The only way I got through it was with Scott.
1: It was just hard because you knew how much pain there was for her.
4: I was shaking in bed at night and having nightmares, not able to eat. Then Scott said, I love you, we're gonna get through this. We have two options. We can find her and kill her. Or we can go to police.
7: I'm Tracy Smith. Tonight on 48 Hours. Kristen's Secret.
0: If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit slash 48 hours. That's slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
2: At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, Empathy is our best policy.
4: Taylor, that's a good look for you.
7: Kristen Kunain loves her job. Go! She's the associate coach of the women's swim team at Cal Berkeley, one of the top-ranked programs in the country. Every day, she gets to work with elite athletes, like four-time Olympic gold medal winner Missy Franklin. She's going to get a third Olympic gold medal. Oh, that's awesome. Oh. <sighs>
4: <laughs>
7: her home life is pretty sweet too.
4: Oh, that's awesome.
7: Kristen is married to her high school boyfriend, Scott Cunane, now a prosecutor in the San Francisco Bay Area. At the age of 32, Kristen seems to have life licked. But look closer, and there's darkness around her a residue of painful memories that were long buried.
4: I really didn't know if I was going crazy.
7: It was 2010 when Kristen began having disturbing
4: flashbacks. It was like I could see the stuff that had happened to me happening again. Stuff that I had been able to completely black out for more than 10 years. The flood of memories
7: transported Kristen back here to Joaquin Moraga Intermediate School in the wealthy California suburb of Moraga, not far from San Francisco. Back in the mid-'90s, Kristen was a student here, and her favorite teacher was Julie Correa, who taught physical education and
5: coached the girls' sports teams. For some reason, it's during lunchtime, we would hang out in her um, office in the, the women's locker room make our lunches in there, eat our lunches in there. Kristen would store her books in there. Maggie Renault was Kristen's classmate and is still a good friend. The fact that we got to do that was so cool. And um, yeah, we loved it. Julie Correa was a young married woman in her mid-twenties. The girls
7: looked up to her and Kristen trusted Julie implicitly.
4: I was also taught that teachers are good, respect them, be a, like, good student, and so I think a lot of the things she did, taking me to get a Slurpee or those little things, like, I just trusted them because she's a teacher and, of course, she has good intentions, so.
7: Julie was not the only standout teacher at Moraga. Her colleague Dan Witters also was a favorite, at least to some students.
5: He was an interesting teacher. I mean, he was funny. I actually liked him as a teacher, but he definitely had um, a different way of teaching. He would make inappropriate comments to girls who were blooming faster than other girls. He would smack girls on the butt with a yardstick.
7: Witters, a married father in his early 30s, taught science and liked to experiment with the students to see just how far he could go.
6: He was always very nice to me. He was great. He was fun to be around. In
7: 1995, this woman, who asked that we not show her face, met Witters in his science class when she was only 12 years old. She's telling her story here for the first time. She asked that we call her Jane Doe.
6: He paid a lot of attention to me, and he complimented me a lot. It was flattering, and it was nice.
7: When Jane turned 13... Witters made his move.
6: It started out with the hugging and the kissing and touching me first over my clothes. And then from there, things just kept going farther um, until he asked me if I would give him a blow, And I did. And he would touch me as well. Where were you when this was happening? Almost always in his classroom. Um, He had a supply room um, that was attached to it, and a lot of the times it was in there.
7: Did you feel like you had a relationship with him?
6: I did. He would tell me that I was special, and what we had was special, and what we were doing was just between us.
7: But that same spring of 1996... Unbeknownst to Jane Doe, Witters also took a liking to Kristen Cunane. She was 14 and a grade above Jane.
4: He noticed when I got my braces off and he would like squeeze my arm and tell me, oh, like you're getting so strong and like pet my hair.
7: One afternoon, Witters told Kristen that he wanted to see her after class.
4: I remember walking to his class and, like, the blinds were drawn and then something happens.
7: Whatever happened in that room was so traumatic that
4: Kristen has blocked it out. I remember walking in and I have no idea what happened inside.
7: Traumatized and confused, Kristen confided in Julie Correa.
4: My next vivid memory is like crying and sobbing to Julie and telling her. She told me like, you don't have to tell your parents and I can help you through this. So her reaction was, let's not tell anyone? She told me that she would take care of it. All she did was use it to get me closer to her and isolate me.
7: Julie's single-minded focus on Kristen did not go unnoticed. Her mother, Jean Lewis, was concerned. You did start to get suspicious.
8: There was a part of me that just didn't like the intensity of how interested she was. So I just told her, I think that uh, you need to not see Kristen anymore. I think it's affecting her friendships with other kids. So she goes... I can totally see where you're coming from, and I totally respect that. She's a charmer. She knows exactly what to say.
7: Kristen was mortified by her mother's behavior. At that point,
4: nothing inappropriate had happened. It made me angry with my mom. Like, how could you think that she is being inappropriate? Or how could you think that she's spending too much time with me? You don't understand.
7: But Kristen's mother was onto to something, because soon enough, Julie Correa cornered Kristen in her car.
4: I remember when she dropped me off at home, she kissed me, but it was like half on my mouth. And that's when I knew that like, she wanted something else. I felt like my life was over at that moment.
6: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have?
9: Stop
4: that Once she kissed me and I didn't tell anyone, she just felt like she had free reign. Kristen felt repulsed by that first
7: kiss from Julie Correa, but at the same time felt powerless to do anything about it.
4: I had been so devastated by what had happened with Mr. Witters that, like, I didn't have my spirit anymore. I had no voice anymore. It was just gone. That one
7: kiss fueled Julie's desire. She rented an isolated apartment to be closer to the middle school. And before her husband moved in, she invited some of her favorite students over to take a look.
5: Me and Kristen and a few other girls went to the apartment. And then Julie said, "Okay, girls, go away to the car. And Kristen, like, stay here. I want to show you something. And we just went to the car. The moment Maggie
7: and her classmates left, Kristen says Julie literally pounced on top of her. She
4: was like molesting me and and kissing me and stuff, and I was just so scared that someone would like walk in or find out what was happening. How did the abuse progress? Um, It progressed really fast after that point.
7: That summer, before Kristen's first year in high school, Julie used her apartment to initiate Kristen into sex, something Kristen knew virtually nothing about.
4: I didn't know what she was doing to me. I was really young, pretty sheltered.
7: Sheltered and very confused.
4: I got really scared, like thinking, like, oh my God, what if I get pregnant from what she's doing to me? Like, I didn't understand, so. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, that was really hard. At
7: 14 years old, life was moving way too fast. Without going into too much detail, can you tell us some of the stuff that she did to you?
4: She abused me in, like, every way I think she could have, from digital penetration, oral copulation. Were there moments where you thought, I should tell my mom? No. No?
8: Not at all. This old Julie thing, it didn't feel right to me. It just did not feel right.
7: But Kristen's mother, Jean Lewis, could not even imagine that Julie was sexually abusing her daughter.
8: It never occurred to me that it was anything of the nature that it was.
7: She now regrets she never reported Julie to the school principal or anyone else.
8: It's my fault. I should have acted on it. I should have been more forceful.
7: And Kristen had her own reasons for not reporting Julie.
4: The minute I told someone, my whole life would change. She would be arrested, people would probably know it was me. I didn't want my friends to know all this horrible stuff was happening to me, and so it was just easier and safer to do what she said.
6: Did
5: you have any hint at all that this was happening to Kristen? No, she was better than ever. She got better grades, better at sports. She hid things really well. Kristen kept quiet
7: about Julie. But back at Kristen's middle school, the silence surrounding Dan Witters was shattered when several girls stepped forward to accuse him of wildly inappropriate behavior.
6: Another girl in my class came forward, and from there, everything just seemed to fall apart.
7: It was the fall of 1996. Witters was immediately suspended, and then he vanished He went
6: missing, and Jane wished she could, too. I was confused and scared, and I didn't want to talk to anyone. I just kind of wanted to fade away.
7: But that was not an option. One girl told administrators that Jane was close to Witters, and Jane was called in. What was that like?
6: Horrible. I was embarrassed and ashamed, and I didn't want to talk about it. I was scared that my parents would find out and be mad.
7: And Jane felt like all her classmates knew her secret. How bad did it get for you?
6: I often thought about killing myself. And I did try on two occasions. Jane turned to the one person she
7: felt she could trust. And ironically, it was Julie Correa. Did Julie kind of help you through this? She did. She was the one who was there for me. Just to be clear, did Julie ever do anything inappropriate with you? No. The Moraga Intermediate School was filled with rumors and innuendo, but then police found Dan Witters. He had driven his car off a cliff here at Big Sur. His death was ruled a suicide, and the investigation into his behavior died with him.
6: After he was found dead, People didn't ask any more questions, and um, the school just moved on.
7: The school moved on, but did you?
6: No, and I don't think I ever really did.
7: Kristen, now a high school student, was never questioned or mentioned during the investigation of Dan Witters, but it affected her anyway. She says Julie took Witters' death and used it to cement her power.
4: And that became, like, her trump card. She would say things to me like, I'm going to have to do what Mr. Witters did or I'm going to take you with me and do what Mr. Witters did. I was just so scared. Like, I thought, if I don't do it, she says, she's going to kill herself, she's going to kill me, she's going to kill my family. So I just did whatever she told me to do.
7: And that included having sex after hours inside the middle school and wherever Julie wanted.
4: Julie always had a plan. She would tell me how to sneak out or when to sneak out and where to wait.
7: Kristen says she would wait till her parents were asleep and then slip out of the house, hiding in some nearby bushes until Julie came by in her car.
4: She would always have a place picked um, to take me in her car and abuse me.
7: To further tighten her grip on Kristen, Julie even gave her a cell phone. But to keep it a secret, Julie made this elaborate cutout inside a Spanish-English dictionary.
4: She put the cell phone in there and then made me carry it everywhere and call her every night and check in. She would say things like, I have to see you tomorrow. Like, I can't handle it if I don't see you. Like, I can't breathe. And the abuse was
7: about to reach a new, unthinkable level.
10: Oh. <sighs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
2: Talk about starting the morning right.
10: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Oh. mm Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car
11: shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah! Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are.
7: In high school, Kristen dove headfirst into swimming
4: to escape the relentless pursuit of her teacher, Julie Correa. Swimming became a place for me to to have my own thing because Julie didn't know anything about swimming. And so, swimming was still pure and, and mine. But by nightfall, Kristen
7: became terrified as she realized the extent of Julie's obsession. The teacher began sneaking into this house, Kristen's home. Her parents always left the front door unlocked.
4: You had a bedroom on the second floor. Uh-huh. How'd she get in? She would sneak in while my mom was, like, picking me up from practice or school. Walk upstairs and wait? Yeah. And she would just sit in my closet, usually. And wait for hours sometimes. Sitting in your closet? Yeah. Crazy. It's
7: so crazy. Crazy doesn't begin to explain it. Kristen says Julie forced her to have sex here in her childhood bedroom as her parents slept right down the hall.
4: It was like the thrill of not being caught. It was all part of a game, like a really sick, twisted game to her.
7: Do you have any idea how many times she abused you? It was around four
4: or 500 times. Four or 500 times?
7: That number sounds incredible, but remember, the abuse took place over a three-year period. Julie's fixation on her one-time student is shocking, but sadly, these types of cases are all too common. This is hardly an isolated incident, not just in this school district, but across the state, across the country. It's an epidemic. There's no doubt about it. Dave Ring is an attorney in Los Angeles who represents former students abused
2: by their teachers. You would think school districts put the children and their well-being first, and a lot of times they don't.
7: The most recent study, commissioned by the U.S. Department of Education, found that up to 7% of middle and high school students are the targets of sexual abuse by teachers and coaches, putting the total number of victims in the millions. Take a look at these photos and mugshots of female teachers who've been convicted of sexually abusing their students. The study's author found that there are differences between female abusers and their male counterparts. For women, sex is usually not the motivating factor. For them, it's love, or what they believe to be love.
2: An adult female abusing a younger female girl seemed to be a rarity 10, 15, 20 years ago. And now? And now you see it happening a lot. And that doesn't mean it wasn't happening back then, I just think it wasn't reported back then. And back
7: then, Kristen
2: did not report her abuse.
7: But in the fall of 1999, her senior year in high school, Kristen's life changed dramatically when she began dating classmate Scott
1: Cunane. She was in a different science class and I got her to take geology with me. You convinced
7: her
4: to take geology with you? Geology. That was your strategy? It was a great move. He teased me and he was fun and, like, he just... He made me question, like, that life didn't have to be bad, so.
7: Her new relationship gave Kristen the strength to finally confront Julie.
4: The night after my 18th birthday, I told her that I knew what she was, I knew what she had done to me, and that, like, never contact me again or I'll tell the police.
7: After graduating high school in the year 2000, Kristen left home to attend UCLA, where she became a three-time All-American swimmer. As time went on, she blocked out the horrific memories, until they resurfaced in 2010.
4: There are memories where all of a sudden, like, it'll take my breath away, because I'll remember her doing something really horrible to me.
7: As the memories flooded back, Kristen knew she had to reveal her long-buried secret to Scott, who she married in 2007.
4: I remember being so scared of telling Scott what happened to me and just thinking, like, he'll never want to be near me physically again.
7: I'm trying to imagine what it must have been like to realize what had happened to her.
1: It was just hard because you knew how much pain there was for her.
7: Kristen saw a therapist who diagnosed her with post-traumatic stress disorder.
4: I was like a wreck. I was having a hard time not killing myself.
1: She would have night terrors, shaking. You know, sometimes she wouldn't even eat.
4: He said, I love you, we're gonna get through this and we have two options. We can find her and kill her, (laughs) or we can go to police. I didn't even think about it. I just said, we'll go to police.
11: 1898.
7: Deputy Birch Parker, then a detective assigned to the Lafayette Police Department, was the lead investigator in the Kristen Kunane case. What was your first thought when you heard Kristen's story?
3: I think my first thought was that she was very brave. Did you believe Kristen right away? Absolutely. She was able to describe even the clothes that Julie wore on certain days.
7: And Kristen was able to provide important physical evidence. Like the cutout Spanish-English dictionary Julie made for Kristen to hide that secret cell phone. Kristen also gave Detective Parker a handwritten note Julie once gave to Kristen.
3: And it was a love note from Julie to Kristen.
7: Can you read a little bit of it?
3: When I woke, I felt her next to me, overcome by a deep feeling of adoration. I leaned over and kissed my little angel and promised myself I would always be hers.
7: That love note and the dictionary were great pieces of evidence.
4: I thought that that would be enough because why in the world would anyone make up stuff like this?
7: But to arrest Julie Correa, Detective Parker would need more. He asked Kristen to call Julie after all these years. He needed her to pretend to have feelings for Julie, the woman Kristen considers a rapist.
4: You touch me or kiss me or whatever, and like, I can't get over it.
9: I just want you to know that I'd do it over again.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
11: The last thing
7: Kristen Cunane wanted to do was get back in touch with Julie Correa, the woman who'd allegedly abused her for three years. But Kristen agreed to make the call.
4: I just felt like I had already taken a step down this road and there was no turning back, that I had to finish what I started and that it was my only chance of getting my life back.
7: 10 years had passed since the two had been in touch. Julie was now the mother of two young boys. She'd moved out of this part of California and was living with her husband and kids outside Salt Lake City. She had stopped teaching, but she was very involved with her son's sports
4: teams. I really, really struggled with the fact that she had kids. I thought about it, I'd cry about it.
7: But Kristen was determined to get justice.
4: These kids have a mom that committed horrible acts towards me, and it's my responsibility to hold her accountable for those.
9: Hello? Hi. Hi. I can't believe you
4: called me. Right when I heard her voice, I could feel what it felt like to be that young and being manipulated by her.
7: How hard was it to have those conversations? That was horrible.
9: There's some things I can convince myself of. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, what? That I was doing good. That I was a little bit over it. Over me, I mean. <laughs> okay. I'm finding that it's not true.
7: The emotional phone calls took place over the next two weeks. Kristen was coached on what to say by police, who carefully monitored the conversations. Newspaper reporter Malika Fraley covered the story and would later piece together what happened. How did Julie react to
9: hearing from Kristen?
12: Her gut, you could tell she thought she was being set up, and she was.
9: I'm worried that you're trying to get me to say what concretely happened because somebody's trying to pin something on me.
12: But... You know, at the same time, she couldn't she couldn't resist Kristen.
9: I don't know if I could see you and, and not have to touch you. And then if I touched you, I don't know if I could resist. I just don't know.
12: She played perfectly into the trap set up by Detective Parker and Kristen.
9: I don't know about you, but for me, there will always be an attraction, a physical attraction, like a burning inside attraction. It wasn't
7: only what Julie said that was important. It was also what she did not say. Did Julie at any point say, What are you talking about? No. Did she at any point deny anything that had happened? No.
9: And just because I don't share things doesn't mean that I don't remember things. Okay. I remember everything.
7: Detective Parker thought they had enough and decided to visit Julie Correa at her home near Salt Lake City. The police recorded that visit with a hidden video camera.
3: I flew out to Utah and knocked on her door. Hey, I'm Detective Parker. The Contra Costa County She invited us into the home and we spoke for about, about 30 minutes. Well,
9: I, you know, I'm just like dumbfounded by this whole thing. Of course, there's more of the story. I honestly felt like. She was trying to get rid of
7: the Parker says Julie appeared nervous and asked officers to leave. They did, but they soon returned and brought her in for questioning.
9: Kristen was very manipulative, and, you know, she just manipulated the heck out of me. It was always, you know, I'm going to do bad things for myself. I'm going to, you know, every time I said, you know, not to call me anymore, it was, yeah. I can't deal with it.
7: Julie, handcuffed throughout the interrogation, denied that she and Kristen had had sex. She claimed to be a caring teacher, confused by her own feelings.
9: So, you guys talked about waiting until she was 18? Well, I was like, let's wait and see where this goes. I can't, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't know how I feel. I knew that I loved her, but in what way? Right. You know? And I didn't know what way that was because it was just all so confusing to me. You know, I was married, I
7: mean, I, you know. Detective Parker, a former teacher himself, presented Julie with the handwritten love poem she had
9: once written to Kristen. So, that's your writing, isn't it? Yeah, you can see, uh, that's my writing. That's a lot more involved than I thought it was. Yeah. But there's nothing nothing there that said that I did what you're saying I did. Well, I never I mean, really you, said you did anything Well, I know what you're leading to. I mean, I'm not... Yeah.
7: <laughs> Julie claimed Kristen was always the aggressor.
9: She would come on to me and kiss me and whatever, and I would push her away. And I would say, we can't. This is wrong. I'm trying to help her, and she's had these delusional thoughts before. She describes to you the two of you having sex upstairs in her house while her mother's downstairs, and you say, yes, I think about that, too. That's your response. I don't recall saying that. I mean, I'm sure maybe you have the taste, but
7: I. On August 3rd, 2010, Julie Correa was arrested and later charged with 28 counts of felony child abuse, charges that could put her behind bars for the rest of her life. What did it feel like when Julie was arrested?
4: It was a catch-22 because I didn't have to be scared anymore, but then immediately my fear came to, is my name going to be out there? Are people going to know this is me? I was terrified, like, what the media would be like.
7: A preliminary hearing was held in March 2011 to determine if there was enough evidence to hold Julie over for trial.
4: I tried to look at her, and everything just got really... Blurry and I got really dizzy, and I couldn't make eye contact with her.
7: Then Kristen took the stand, and Julie's lawyers went on the attack, arguing that the sex was consensual.
4: Every time I would get scared by a question, I would just really quickly glance at Scott and know that he was there for me and that I just had to tell the truth.
7: It wasn't easy. One of Julie's lawyers even asked Kristen if she had enjoyed sex with Julie. Scott was furious.
1: That was despicable. It's despicable that someone made, that attorney made money to make those arguments. In the end, the judge ruled there was plenty of evidence.
7: Julie would have to stand trial. But the harsh questioning ignited Kristen's anger. She decided to go public, allowing reporters to use her face and her name. And that decision uncovered long-buried secrets at Moraga Middle School.
3: Very quickly, we realized there was really a big cover-up that had gone on there.
7: How could the school have been so blind?
2: I think the school said, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want the hassle. They knew exactly what was going on.
4: I think coming forward has been the hardest thing that I've ever faced.
1: Kristen changed everything, because if she hadn't come forward, there would have been no investigation. Once Kristen
7: made that difficult decision to go public... It's always been about telling the truth. She told her story first to reporters Matthias Gaffney and Malika Fraley of the Bay Area News Group.
12: She felt like a responsibility because she is a role model to young people. She wanted to let other people know that it's okay to to stand up for yourself.
7: Acting on a tip from Kristen, the reporters fought to unearth secret documents the Moraga School District had long kept hidden.
3: With the hundred or so documents we received, we realized there was really a big cover-up that had gone on there.
7: The documents revealed that former school administrators knew that science teacher Dan Witters was sexually abusing middle school girls for two years before he drove his car off a cliff in 1996. Back in 1994, a former student of Witters wrote the school a detailed letter
3: outlining the abuse. She basically says, Dan Witters drove me home uh, from a school event and sexually molested me.
7: That letter was only the first written warning the school received about Witters. In 1995, there was another memo which gave clear examples of Witters' criminal behavior. Incredibly, the memo was written by Julie Correa. And only one year later, she
12: would begin her own abuse of Kristen. Many people think that that Julie was testing the waters with the administration um, by reporting Dan Witters to see if they would do anything. Right, and when they didn't, um, many people think that that gave Julie a license to ramp up this um, inappropriate relationship that she had with Kristen. California law even then required that teachers and school officials
7: tell police if they suspected a minor was being abused. Despite that law, neither Julie nor the school principal reported Witters to authorities. On May 28, 2012, reporters Gaffney and Fraley exposed the cover-up in a devastating story. What'd you think reading that newspaper article?
2: Uh, My first reaction, absolute outrage. Lawyer (laughs) Dave Ring. They concealed everything they knew about Dan Witters. I just
6: couldn't believe that all of these people knew for so long what he was doing and just chose to do nothing.
7: And they could have stopped it.
6: I think they absolutely could have stopped it. Jane Doe, who had attempted
7: suicide twice after being abused by Dan Witters, hired lawyer Dave Ring. And in February 2013, Ring and his legal team filed a civil lawsuit against the school district.
2: If Moraga and the administrators had followed the law, Dan Witters would have been fired and most likely would have been arrested and imprisoned and Jane Doe and those other girls that came after him would never have been exposed to him.
6: What did they do to you by not reporting Mr. Witters? They made me live my life like this. Faking relationships. And acting like everything is okay.
7: When in reality?
6: Nothing is okay. Still? Still. This is something that will probably be with me forever. Jane
7: Doe was one of three women who came forward, saying they too had been abused by Witters in the mid-1990s. Do you think if the school district would have stopped Mr. Witters, this whole thing might not have happened to you with Julie? I 100% believe that. Current administrators at the Moraga School District apologized to the women who were abused and gave 48 Hours a statement noting that it has learned from past mistakes and is fostering a new culture. But the sins of the past came to a head in December 2011. Nine months had passed since a judge had ruled there was enough evidence to hold Julie Correa over for trial. What was it like being in court with Julie and Kristen both there.
12: It was intense. I mean, the courtroom was, was stuffed with people. And Julie faced over 100 years um, in prison. Facing life in prison, Julie
7: Correa instead worked out a plea deal with prosecutors. She pled no contest to four felony counts, including one charge of rape. In her remarks to the court, Julie told Kristen, it was never, never my intention to hurt you. I cared deeply for you.
4: What she did to me is unforgivable and I'm not, I have no plans on forgiving her. Like that's just not who I am.
7: In December, 2011, Julie Correa, the former phys ed teacher and coach who had never been charged with sexually abusing any other children, was sentenced to eight years in prison. Julie did not respond to our repeated requests for an interview.
4: Oh, that's
2: awesome.
4: (sighs) There'll still be scars for the rest of my life, but I think I'm learning to live with my scars.
7: The truth is that Julie's crimes continue to impact Kristen and her family.
8: She has nightmares of being in this house. She cannot go beyond stairs or up into her bedroom.
7: For years now, Kristen has been unable to visit the house where she grew up.
4: There's millions of good memories of growing up there. But the hundreds of bad memories of what she did to me there just, like, is overwhelming. Through
7: all the pain and upheaval, Kristen has always had swimming, the sport she loves to fall back on. Ready, go! She also has the support of her little army, as she likes to call them, the women of Cal Berkeley swim teams. Where she's the associate coach.
4: Taylor just needs some jean shorts and she'd be all ready to go. (laughs) I get to coach swimmers transitioning from adolescence into being college adult athletes, and it's just a it's a wonderful job, and it's gotten me through some really hard times. Um, You're gonna go two minutes. In
7: perhaps the ultimate irony of this story, Kristen is now the coach everyone looks Uh, up to, the coach she had
3: always hoped Julie would be. The school district paid out a total of $18.65 million to Kristen Kunain and three other victims who filed civil suits. Julie Correa is eligible for parole in 2018. Her husband has filed for divorce and custody of their children. In May 2015, Kristen gave birth to her second child, a baby boy.
0: Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the secrets within families, cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved. Enjoy My Life of Crime on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on Wondery Plus.
2: A story of betrayal you would
3: struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's the case, then I've got some good news. We just launched a brand new Strange, Dark, and Mysterious podcast called Mr. Bolland's Medical Mysteries.